He loved them to the end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If you were to descend to the very foundations of the earth, what would you find there? Or if you were to delve into the abyss of the ocean, unto the very depths of the depths, what would you see? If you were to soar to the highest heavens or discover the very heart of the cosmos and travel to its outermost bounds, what would you find everywhere yet nowhere, permeating, interpenetrating all that exists? Our Lord's hour had finally come. They were gathered in the upper room to celebrate the Passover, he as their host. He loved those whom had been given to him, and he loved them unto the uttermost. He loved them unto the end. Just who it was that he loved is spelled out in one case and hinted at in the other. Already had the devil put it into Judas' heart to betray him. Already did the Lord himself know that the eleven others who pledged their faithfulness to him would abandon him that very night. Even so, it is these faithless, weak, sinful disciples that he loves with a love that interpenetrates every single human heart, whether that love is rejected or received. It is during the supper that a very poignant moment occurs. Jesus, the host, suddenly arises. It is just so simple as to have occurred exactly as John the Evangelist relates it. It is just so simple as the act of washing feet. And yet we know what our Lord says to Peter. You do not now understand what it is that I am doing. That is to say, the simplicity of our Lord's act of profound love, profound humility and service has a transparent quality to it. We can see through this simplicity into a deeper reality. That is why St. John the Evangelist spells out each step with such gravitas. He arises in the midst of the supper. He who was once clothed in otherworldly garb, in unspeakable light at the throne of his father, stripped off his glory 
and came down to earth and became man. And so now he strips off his seamless outer garment and kneels down at the feet of his disciples. He who once wrapped the earth in the very heavens now wraps his waist in a common towel for service. He who poured out the oceans and all their depths, he who said to the proud waves, this far shall you go and no further, he now pours water from a pitcher into a basin. And he whose hands formed Adam now takes within those very hands the feet of his disciples. What would have been the work not merely of a servant but of the lowest of all the household servants is his work. And as servants would have gone about this work, the company gathered for the Passover no doubt would have engaged in small talk, maybe some joking and laughter, some chit-chat. But on this night, the room is absolutely silent as Jesus moves from one disciple to the next. Each individual with his own heart and his own thoughts and his own feelings about what is going on. But not to be missed, that as our Lord comes to the first, then the second, all the way until all 12 disciples' feet are washed, with each washing, that water becomes more and more dirty. And each and every foot is dried upon that towel, girded around his waist. Are you getting the visual that as each foot is becoming clean, he is becoming more and more dirty, showing forth precisely the mystery of this night, the mystery of these three holy days, where upon the cross he will bear not the filth from our bodies, the filth of our sins. It is silent as he goes washing the feet one after another until he comes to Peter. Peter says, Lord, will you wash my feet? That's when the Lord says, Peter, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but afterward you will. Peter, as is his way, doubles down in his wrong thinking. You will never wash my feet, he says. If you're going to be wrong, you may as well be all the way wrong. The Lord says to him then, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Are you sure we're still talking about feet? The transparency becomes evident again. 
that if Peter will not submit himself to the humble service of Jesus, then he can have no share in Jesus. We know this strange pride that masquerades as humility. And we know this because we know our own struggles with feeling embarrassed and unworthy of the Lord's service and the Lord's grace. No, Lord, I could never accept that you would do such a thing for me. But there is the dirt that was on your feet now on the towel he wears. You have just sung that you've laid your sins on Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, and he bears them without resentment. He bears them in love, but bear them he must. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter, much to be commended, reverses his theological opinion instantaneously. Then wash not just my feet, but also my hands and my head. To which Jesus says, you have already been bathed. You are already clean on account of the word that I have spoken to you. One who is bathed needs only to have his feet washed. What are we talking about? Again, the transparency of these events becomes evident. You all have been bathed, have you not? You have been bathed in the waters of holy baptism that have washed away every spot, wrinkle, and sin. You are all clean even now because you, unlike Judas, believe and entrust yourself to this Christ and his word of grace, his word of forgiveness. You are already clean, and yet as you have been journeying along, as you have been going on through this week and through this life, your feet have become dirty. You must return to the Lord, and you must suffer Him to do the lowly work of kneeling down before you and making you clean once more. After Jesus has washed the disciples' feet, off with the filthy towel. After he has borne our sins on the cross, he bears them no longer. The outer garment is returned upon him, just as when he ascends to the Father, his glorious robe of unspeakable otherworldly light is once more donned. He who descended ascended once more and he takes his seat to have a feast, a heavenly feast that now extends down to earth. This is the feast of his love. He has bathed you in the waters of holy baptism. 
He has heard your confession. He has seen the dirt on your feet, and he has washed your feet and forgiven your sins. He has prepared you to recline at his table that you might know his love and know it all the more fully. Here at his table, he gives himself wholly and entirely to you. All of him to you. And yet he gives you himself in precisely this way. His body first to be eaten. His blood second that you might drink. Why this separation? Why this body to be eaten, this blood to be drank? Because he gives himself to you as the sacrifice. As the body drained of its blood, as the two split, that his love for you and his sacrifice for you are indeed one, inextricably one. When you commune at this table, you commune at his cross, and you know the love by which the cosmos is bound. Because if you were to go to the foundations of the earth, or the depths of the sea, or the heights of the heaven, or the very heart of the cosmos, or its outermost reaches, what interpenetrates and permeates it all is the love of God in Christ Jesus. His love for you. Even when you do not let that love have its way with you, And so your love for him and your love for others falls short. His love changes not. His love washes your feet. His love invites you here to this feast. It is in this love that we Christians live and move and have our being. If one does not know God, one does not know love. We alone and uniquely know love, for we alone and uniquely know God. In this love we live and move and have our being, for it is in God himself that we live and move and have our being. And these three holy days spell it out in terms that no heart can honestly reject. This God is love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.